It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Exodus. We're going to start off uh, with chapter 25, and we're going to look at something. Next Sunday will be our State of the Church Sunday, and, and our major, or all our ministries and all our happenings at church will be made known to you if you don't know them already, and we're going to let you know kind of what our plans are. More on that later, but we'll have some reports from our technology team. We'll have reports from Awana, from Wednesday Night Youth, from our deacons. Uh, we'll, we'll have a representative from each one of those ministries, uh, and we'll let you know what's going on. Our finance team will give a report uh, where we're at financially, which you know is important, and where your money's going, what ministries we give to as a church, and you know what we're looking for hopefully to do in the, the days, months, and years to come. So with all that being said, I don't think anybody would argue it takes a lot to run a church, doesn't it? It really does. It, 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 sometimes it's hard to see that. If you, you, know, you come and, and you're a member or whatever, you know it does. I mean, you've got to have a building. Uh, you don't have to have a building, but most of the time you're going to have some place of shelter, of worship, and you've got to have, you've got to have some heat. You've got to have some air. Uh, you know, you've got you to pay the bills. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. The grass doesn't cut itself. The bathrooms don't clean themselves. Sunday school don't teach itself. Uh, you know, preaching doesn't preach itself. Unless AI does that one day, but that probably won't happen, hopefully. Uh, but it takes a lot to run a church, from the money to the talent to the organization. It's all important. And I think we forget sometimes, I know I do, how, how uh, really sacred a, of a thing it is. I mean, we meet together here and we're in a building, but we're meeting seeking to meet with God. Maybe we're here seeking to hear from God. Surely we are. Maybe we're here because we're struggling with a problem and we're looking for answers. And when we get together and invite God in to all the, the different aspects of a church or running the church, then God will come in and he does some miraculous things. You know, I, I know that, you know, since COVID and, and in the last few years, we've had a lot of, lot of uh, you know, stuff come at us. We've had loss. We've had uh, a time where we didn't meet. We, but the people, you have been faithful. God has been faithful. And here we are. It's been said many years ago by somebody way on back that goes way back in the church long before I was thought of, he believed that if a church was birthed by the Holy Spirit, that that church would stand, that that church would, uh, that God would protect the church. And he said that when he spoke to Simon Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the reason he said that was Peter confessed Christ as king, Christ as savior. He said, upon that rock and that belief, I will build my church, Jesus said, in the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. What a promise. What a promise. So here we stand today, and I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that I'm a born-again believer in Christ. I'm a sinner saved by grace. There's nothing special about me. It's all because of Christ, and it's all because of his love, mercy, and grace. So let's look at Exodus today. We're going to go back to one of the first churches in the history of the world or maybe the first church instituted by Yahweh or God himself. It was portable. 
We're going to go back to Exodus in what was called the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. It was literally an elaborate tent that as the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, God instructed Moses to build it, and Moses could pretty much put this thing up and take it down himself. Now, I'm sure he had help from the other priests, but they were traveling. You know, they were, some days they would travel many miles, some days they didn't get very far at all, depending on what was going on in the wilderness, but they had a church with them. Isn't that amazing? I think about the cultures all over the world in different countries and how their churches must be different. I'm sure some of them meet in open air, you know, where they can, where the weather's, uh, you know, uh, accommodating for that. I think about those who meet in people's homes, like was done in the first century church. I think about those who are persecuted, who meet in secret. You know, they, they, I'm sure there are churches in the world they communicate God's love through symbols and through... Uh, and, and in ways that the authorities won't know what's going on because in China and other places, they'll bulldoze you, your house or your church, you know, if it goes against the, the order of the world, and that there being communism. So I think about the different type of churches. It's not so much the building. It's not the building. It's the people. And as I wrap this sermon up today, we're going to look at that being the case. So here's the tabernacle. God gave in explicit uh, instructions on how to build it, what was to be used. And all types of different people within the Hebrew people at this point, although they were transitory, they were moving around a lot from place to place, they were heading from Egypt over to Canaan. When they left Egypt, you know, God delivered into their hands a lot of the, e the Egyptians' finest possessions. Isn't it like God to do that? When he finally you know, released them, and Pharaoh said, go, get out of here. And God said, all right, it's time to go, be ready, let's go. Time to head out into the wilderness. He said, not only that, but go ahead and take some of their stuff. Go ahead and take it. I'll give their riches into your hands. So when they went out into the desert, they had a lot of raw materials, and God said, okay, take those raw materials and build a tabernacle, also known as the tent of meeting, and it will be a symbol of, to everyone, your children, the people of uh, the Hebrew people, and the and the other people that you run into in the wilderness of my presence, and they were to take time and to go into that tent. They there, there was a front part of it. I don't have a diagram of it where people could go in, but then there was an inner part where it was said the only priest, only the priest could go in. It was the holiest holy place. That's where God spoke and delivered messages. You might say. So in the temple, God always taught by what it was made out of. So if you go down to verse uh, 1 of Exodus chapter 25, the Lord spoke unto Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that he gives it willingly with his heart, he shall give an offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold and silver and brass. They had those things even in the wilderness because they had gotten it from the Egyptians. And blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair. And ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood. Oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense. Stones, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod, which was a vest that the priests wore, and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell upon them. 
Now, this was a different time, and this was under a different covenant than we're under today. So they were still sacrificing animals. They were uh, still doing a lot of ceremonial things that God had asked them to do. And when they'd done those in faith, God met with them. God came down, and he indwelled uh, with the Spirit, and he spoke to them and encouraged them or or maybe even, uh, you know, got their attention. But it's interesting to me that it was called, at least in the King James, the sanctuary. We, we call this this auditorium, if you want to call it that, or this, this inside of the church, the sanctuary. Why do we call it the sanctuary? A sanctuary is a hiding place. A sanctuary is a place of refuge. A sanctuary is a place you go to have some peace and protection. I know that this past week, and most of you all did too, I know that I took a lot of sanctuary next to the central heating and air. We already had the air outside, so I went with the heat. I'm smart enough to do that. So it was nice to have that sanctuary. So we come here as a church, and God has used your talents and your gifts and your abilities to make something that he, at one, he once called a mystery. The church has been revealed, and the church is a wonderful place. A church is made up of imperfect people. Churches are made up of imperfect pastors. Some have strengths that I don't. I have strengths maybe that they don't. But we're all human, and we're all need of a Savior. And it's our job and our, our duty to, to reveal his word to you, to encourage you, to share what he's doing, and, 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 and to serve you, not from a position of any... Uh, of any elitism, but from a position of servitude. We're called to serve. Jesus said, I come to serve, not to be, I come to serve, not to be served. We get that, we, we mentally get that backwards sometimes. I'm here to serve you, uh, according to God's word, and I want you to know that. But what I want to key in on here with all these different materials that were brought in as an offering so that the tabernacle could be built I want to key in on verse 5. And ram skins dyed red and badger skins to cover the tent. Now, this tent was kind of square-shaped. I almost kind of think about it. You've seen those big, huge canvas tents that they use in Alaska and places where it's really cold. And this was like one of those on steroids, I guess you might say. It could be put up and taken down. When, when God said, you need to move out of this part of the desert and continue here, they, they, they took it down. They took all the contents that were sacred, like the lampstand and a table that was to have bread on it, and they took it all with them. And it was the priest's job to handle those things reverently because it was God's connection from heaven with them. And he said, I'm going to go with you, and I will, these things will symbolize me. But what's so interesting about the ram skins and the badger skins is they were, they were used as a covering. Here we have in this temple, amen, in this temple or this early church, we have Christ leaping off the page at us for what he does for us spiritually. Now, the covering we have here to keep the rain and the snow and the cold and the heat out is wood and it's shingles and it's metal roofing over here and it's two by fours and all the things that all the the builders and carpenters and masons and electricians put in here over the years. But here, 
because it was a different time. They were in a wilderness setting. It was goat skins and badger skins. And it was to cover the place. It was almost a, a shelter from the outside. It was. It was so the, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, were, were having a tough time even though they had been delivered from the Egyptians. It was a place they could go into. They could get out of the heat. They could get into a shady place. But more importantly, it was a place that they could go into so that they could be reminded by the priests and be reminded by Moses and Aaron and his, his staff, if you will, that they were on a journey, and it wasn't to be anything just, you know, uh, haphazard or chaos. God was leading them from one place to the other because he had a plan and a purpose. It was A to Z. God was leading them. And that's what we've got to remember. When we come into our church or wherever we may be a member or wherever we go to church, we're here to be reminded that we're going from one place to the other, that we're on the move. Whether we realize it or not, whether, and it could be in different ways for some of us in, in practical things, but in spiritual ways, we're on the move. We're either growing spiritually or we're not. We're either moving forward for Christ or we're backsliding or, or moving backward. We are either here for the right reasons or we're here for selfish reasons. And we have to measure that out in our own lives. I think we all go through cycles where we get a little bit uh, offset on that. But God wants to bring us back. We come here to shelter ourselves from the world for a little bit. But then Jesus said, go out into the world. Amen. Come here, be equipped, be encouraged, know what you, learn what your gift is, you know, uh, have, have a fellowship with the people, like-minded, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all blood kin in the shed blood of Jesus Christ if we believe that his blood was shed for us. We come here to be reminded that we're going from A to B. You are moving toward eternity. You're moving toward eternity in a lot quicker rate sometimes than I think we realize. They were moving from bondage or slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And they went about it. I've looked at maps of their route. Boy, they, they went around in circles and they went, I mean, it was amazing. And all they had to do was just go straight. But just like all human beings, we make it hard, don't we? We get selfish and we think, Lord, you want us to go through over here, you want us to do this? Well, I got a better idea. And it causes you a lot more time in the wilderness and a lot more suffering in the wilderness. The God didn't do it. We do it. We make choices and that, 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 that can cause us harm in life. But we're moving from A to B, so we're in our tabernacle today. They would go into their tabernacle covered with ram skins dyed red and badger skins. Those ram skins dyed red. Tells us about Jesus. They were sheltered from the world and to, to an extent from their enemies many times in that tabernacle. And what kept off the elements in the, the harsh things of the world, you might say, was an animal that had to, to be sacrificed and, and the skin painted red. It tells us about Jesus here. We're here today in this church as believers, whether our church is an older style church or, or a newer style church or 
or, or a cave or a brush hut in Africa. We are here and we are under the shelter and the protection spiritually of Christ and his sacrifice. You remember when Abraham was instructed to take Isaac up to the mountain? And God was going to call on Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Can you imagine what was going through Abraham's mind and head? But he was so committed to God. He got him and laid him out on the altar. He was ready to sacrifice him, shed his blood, and burn him if, this, if, if need be, as graphic as that is. And he raised the knife and God stopped him. When one man was about to kill another that loved each other, I mean, it's almost like war and the stuff that we're seeing in the world. He stopped him, and there was a ram with his horns caught up in the bushes. A ram is a symbol of strength. A ram is a, is a symbol of, of a stronghold. And he says, spare Isaac. There's your offering. That's what Jesus did. If Isaac had have died for my sins, it wouldn't mean nothing if... Barabbas hadn't been exchanged at the cross right before crucifixion for Jesus and then died for me, it, wasn't, it wouldn't mean anything. The Son of God in the flesh had to be sacrificed for me so that I could have shelter eternally, so that I could have a place of refuge. And we try, the world, and we're all guilty of this to an extent, the world tries to take refuge in drugs. The world tries to take refuge in alcohol. I see that every day multiple times now. Uh, we, we had a, a, a poor soul come in our store yesterday morning, and she was messed up. We had to have her escorted out. Sad. I work with people that their husbands are dealing with alcohol addiction. One addiction now that's not talked about much is porn and how it's ravaging the young men in our society. There are so many things that people try to take refuge in, and it may offer a little bit of peace and comfort, but it, it ends, and we're worse off for it. We become addicted. Our refuge and our peace can only be found in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever happens in the world, this world that, that we're, we're, the world is sinking more and more into war every day. We've got nations entering the war now that's different ways we're seeing the unfolding of scripture and I talk about that a lot we're not going down that road today that whatever whatever happens I know that Jesus is on the throne I know that Jesus I can go to him and have shelter and peace because he was sacrificed he died for my sins he painted that cross in that ground red with his own blood and then that blood was offered to God once and for all as a payment for all my nasty, despicable, horrible sins. You, you say God is not a God of love? I'd have to argue that with the world. What love? That God would stop Abraham from sacrificing Isaac and say, no, it can't be that way. But I'm reminding you of what will happen. I'm showing you what will happen because I will send my son to be the sacrifice for you. Not only was it then, but moving even further back into Exodus and back to the time of Abraham, the tabernacle was covered with skins dyed red. We're covered 
by, as a church, as believers, we're covered not so much with the shingles and the roofing and all the things that we have that keep us warm and dry. We are covered by the blood of Jesus, and that's why we're here today, I hope. If it's not why you're here today, then maybe you need to come and you need to allow Jesus to forgive you. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you're struggling with things. We all do. It's okay. Come and be covered. Be forgiven and be covered. And know that no matter what this world or Satan throws at you, if you're in Jesus, you're his. Case closed. You're his. So it was covered with ram skins dyed red where they would worship, where God would come in and be with them, and badger skins. That's interesting. I understood a lot more when I read this about the ram skins than I did the badger skins. Now, when I think of a badger, it's that furry, mean little animal that you see out west, and they will dig up four acres in four minutes. They're amazing. Mean little animals. But the translation is, is most likely seal skins. It was just the word they used. There's some a little bit of mystery to this, but something that sheds a little bit of light to what God is trying to tell us is in Ezekiel chapter 8. When he was looking at the same people that were being led out of the wilderness centuries later in Ezekiel, and he saw them sinning, and he saw them in a mess, and he saw them in and of the world, God says, now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, I felt love. And I spread my skirt over thee. He's talking about protecting his people and covered thy nakedness. Yes, I swore to you and entered to a covenant or a deal with you, saith the Lord God, and you became mine. He's talking about Israel and the fact that they would always be his. Everything that Israel is going through right now, guess what? They're still God's chosen people. That's not going to change. Whatever the UN says, whatever the, the, the International Criminal Court in South Africa says, they are God's people, and that land is their land. The problem is, is that they have denied Christ. They, as a whole, have denied Christ, and that's why a lot of that's going on over there. But God is right on schedule to bring them back to Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. He said, I swore unto you, I already entered a covenant with you because you're mine. Then I washed you with water. Yes, I thoroughly washed away the blood. And this was guilty blood from them. This is sin. I thoroughly washed that away. Uh, and then I anointed you with oil. I clothed you with beautiful clothing and I shod you with badger skin. That means they had shoes with badger skin. Now, whether that's literal or kind of a, a, a typological thing, whether it's a badger, going back to Exodus, whether it's a badger or whether it's a seal, as some people go back and forth on, the fact of the matter is that both of those skins or furs, whatever you want to call them that, are pretty unattractive. A badger, kind of drab colors. A seal kind of drab colors, few spots. They can be all mottled up and everything. They're unattractive. Well, but yet the leather, the sacrifice of the leather is very tough. That's why it was used on the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. That's why here God told Ezekiel that he would shod them with 
uh, or he would put shoes on them, maybe like a moccasin or a boot, of badger skins for, for several different reasons. He's talking again about Jesus because Jesus, if Jesus came walking in here today in the flesh, he would be very unattractive. He was a Jewish man. The Bible says that. He was, he would not, uh, the, by the ways and the standards of the world, he would not have been very attractive. Okay? But what he offered and who he was was attractive once people believed. In other words, he came, look at it this way, he came and he became so humbled. I mean, think about it. What king, what lord would leave his throne to come and live in this old world 2,000 years ago, and people have all pretty well always be the same, to come into this old world and walk and deal with the things that we, we deal with, although he was sinless, for 33 years, what kind of a God does that? What kind of a God humbles himself, leaves the riches of heaven, and is born and laid in a manger? What kind of God does that? There's none like him. Our God, the God who is called Yahweh, and his son is called Yeshua. He is Elohim, and his son is Jesus, God the Father, Jesus the Son, a God that loves a God that when he swears something to you, he's not going to break his promise. A God that is all in for you. Is all in for you. That's the kind of God. And a God that would become nothing, you might say, at least from a human perspective, so you could become everything. And you could have everything. So that one day, you would be the tabernacle. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. They were shod here in uh, it, it was covering of a tent in Exodus, but in Ezekiel it was a warm, if you will, tough boot so that they could walk and move forward. It would separate them from the world. A shoe keeps us from, you know, hurting ourselves walking outside or doing our job or whatever. If you work on a in a heavy industrial job, you're going to be wearing steel toe boots, hopefully. But that badger skin, as unattractive of it as it was, was there for a reason. It was to lift that weary traveler, that sinner, up on a sure footing to protect them so that they could move forward. That's what Jesus does for us. You see that symbolism there? Isn't that beautiful? Although he was unattractive, although he was just a man, a Jewish man, a, a carpenter, a stonemason, he came and went through all of that so he could go to the cross for you. And as he hung on the cross, he hung on the cross as the Savior of the world. But when he comes the second time, he's coming as the Lord of Lords and as the King of Kings. He will be above all nations. He will be the leader of all nations. He will be the ultimate judge. And all wrongs will be made right. I was talking yesterday to somebody. I get mad about some of the things that go on. How people get mistreated. How kids get mistreated. How these evil people in high places all around us just seem to get off with murder. And they do. You know, well, God's going to make that right one of these days. I hope they come to Jesus. We would be remiss and wrong if we said, well, I hope they find Christ like I did. I really do. They need a Savior. 
They think they're God. When we rebel against God, we're in essence saying, hey, I'm God. I'm God. When we say, I don't need church, I don't need the tabernacle, we're saying, I'm God. I can, I can worship him at home. Yeah, you can, but come on, really? Are you really doing that? Or are you watching YouTube videos or ball games or whatever people do? I don't know. I'm not going to judge that, but we say so many ways in our lives when God tries to lead us to a place to do something, we say, no, I'm God. I just can't do it. When God knows and he has the best future for us that can possibly be had. So in the covering of the tabernacle, we see God's protection. And these animals, whether it be a ram or a badger or seal or whatever it does, it really doesn't matter so much as an animal had to die. A living being had to die for us to be protected. Jesus had to die, but he came back to life so we could be protected from hell and what we really deserve. I want to go over to Revelation as I begin to wind down here. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 3, and we'll go down through about 7 or 8. I love these verses, Revelation 21 and 22, because this is when we get a glimpse of God having made everything right. And I get a glimpse into my future, and I see what it was all about. I see why he led them out of Egypt and, and chose them as a, as a people. It was for Jesus to come through them. He chose that in his powerful perfection. I see why when Jesus died, so many of those around him said, not only is his death for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. It was for me. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.